Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. He's driving a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for bringing all your people here tonight. Thank you for giving us another day to worship you. To sing praises to you, Father. We thank you for those songs, Lord, that just touch our hearts, Lord God. Remind us of your love that you've showered us with, Lord. For the forgiveness of our sins, Lord God, and the grace that you have freely given us. Father, to tonight as um, use me again, Lord God, to speak to your people, Father. Just continue to speak the truth, Father God, through me. Lord, I pray for wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. And I pray for the hearts of your people here tonight, Lord that they will be humble, that they will be open, and their minds will be open to whatever it is that you are telling them. And Father, I pray for that soul that you are going to save this evening. Father, I pray that um, you will be able to witness that. And Lord, I pray for that brother or sister that needs your encouragement. I pray that you restore them, Lord God. And I pray for those broken relationships, Lord. I pray that you restore them tonight. Lord, as as for your truth, nothing but the truth. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Good evening. For some campers, you're, are you still are you okay? You're still dealing with uh, mosquito bites like I am? You still got the marks of the, the camp. For some of you who are smart enough not to join us, uh, <laughs> I envy you. <laughs> because that's one thing I can't skip. So, Tonight, um, we are going to be celebrating. He wants us to talk about the Lord's Supper. Um, but it's really not completely about the Lord's Supper. It's uh, one aspect of what, why we're observing the Lord's Supper on a monthly, monthly basis here at our church. But one, I titled the message, Remembering the Lord's Heartaches. Uh, and I put the Lord's Supper message. I wanted to put remembering that the Lord's suffered in order for us to have a Lord's Supper. But I thought that was too long of a message. <laughs> and as I was going through the message, I was I was reminded, you know, I was reminded of what it took God. I mean, we know for, for most of us here, you already know if you've been a believer for a long time or for some for quite some time, you know what why we're observing it is to recognize that Jesus spilled his blood for us and his body was was broken for our sins. But tonight as I was going through the the account of the Lord's Supper on the way to the cross, Jesus still went through a lot of heartaches. And I just pray that uh, tonight God will speak to each and every one of us if we are somehow causing God a heartache through these items or through these, these issues. Let's begin. The question is, why is there a need to remember? So as you can tell, I was the one who made the slide because I'm covering that. <laughs> I was hoping God will see it so he'll move it. <laughs> but then we, we celebrate these things, right? We, we remember 9-11. We, we remember Memorial Weekend or some of you. Hopefully you just don't remember this because of your vacation pay. But these are important days, right? These are important days. 
This is when we celebrate those who serve or have served our country. I'm bring Vietnam and then uh, the 4th of July, which we just celebrated. It's not just about barbecues or the day off or time at the beach. These are times that we need to remember because people sacrifice their lives. They continue to sacrifice their lives for us. Blood was spilled, right? The word remember, the word remember, let me go to my notes. The word remember is, is to, to bear in mind. To bear in mind. To be mindful of the fact or the event. To take it into account or take it into consideration. That's what remember means. That's why we say remember, never forget. Right? Remember, give them honor. And the opposite of remember is obviously forget. Right? Or unlearn. Or disregard. Or ignore. Or you miss it. Or you neglect it. Hopefully, you're listening right now. Because unlike the husband who was talking to his wife and the wife said, Did you even hear anything that I said? And then he said, That's a weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> you got it. You can catch up later. Somebody explain. Somebody explain to those who didn't get it. Right? Hopefully, we need to remember. Remembering that the Lord's heartaches. On the way to the cross, there were heartaches. So let's begin. First Corinthians 11, 24, 25 reads, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, Jesus said it. Do this in remembrance of me. Him. Remember him. To remember him. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do. You have to do it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, Jesus, again, saying that, using that word remember, to keep in mind, keep in mind what it took him for us to enjoy eternal life. What it took him for us for, to pay for our sins against him. We need to bear that in mind. We need to remember. We need to pay attention to it. We can never forget it. Remembering helps, correct? If you would remember where you, you know, this is always a challenge at my house. We have a key holder. We have a key holder. In order for us to avoid uh, not misplacing the key, right? You know, when we need to go, we know where the keys are. But the thing is, we always forget to put the key in the key holder. Right? There's a key holder, but we forget to put it in the key holder. And there are things that you do, too, to remind yourself about certain things. About you know, Hopefully, for the husbands, you all know when your wife's uh, uh, birthdays are. Right? Say amen if you don't. Let me pray for you. Hopefully, those important dates we have to remember. Because those people matter to us, correct? And those events matter to us. It is the same thing that Jesus is saying here. Remember, do this so you remember what it took me, what it took for me, so that you can be with me. So yes, it's such a simple point, right? For most of us, this is a review. But I think it's a good review. Because for, 
For if any of you is sitting there and you think you've arrived in the faith, go back to this. If you think you've made it because you've walked the straight and narrow forever, look at this. It wasn't about you. I praise God for your faithfulness. I praise God for your 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 uh, faithfulness to God and the walk in, in our faith. But it's never about you. It was about Jesus. So before you think you're all that in a bag of chips, I need you to remember this. This is a good reminder for us. That's why we observe it at least once a month at this church. It's to remind all of us, especially the believers, that he wasn't about us and he will never be about us. It's about Jesus and what he did on the cross. But on the way before Jesus said that something happened, I want to discuss three things, three things that happened to Jesus. Please turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke. Uh, book of Luke. Luke, chapter 22, 24 to 27. I'll be reading from the CSB version. Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater than the one at the table or the one serving. Isn't it the one at the table? But I, Jesus speaking, am among you as the one who serves. It's so easy to get caught up or be entangled with individual titles right, or positions or recognition. It, it's so easy to be entangled with that, that we want people to know who we are based on our achievements. And then we want automatic, we want respect behind that title, correct? And then we lose focus of what truly matters. Because what sometimes we make it more about, we make it about we, who we are. That we are somebody big, somebody important, and that people should know about it. We make it so much about that. And imagine Jesus is thinking here. He knows he's about to go to the cross, right? He's about to be sacrificed. And he was, he was just, he, he's going to go to the garden and pray because he knows the suffering that he's going to go through. And then his disciples, who he spent time three years with, are arguing who the greatest is. Isn't that irritating? Because you're about to do something important and your, your disciples are missing the point. They're still making it about them. They're thinking worthy things. They're thinking like the world. I pray that here at this church, I pray that we don't make positions such a big deal. I pray that if you are somebody big and we didn't give you the recognition that you think you deserve, I apologize in advance. Because we really didn't know for most of us. And for many of us, we really don't care. Right? Because at the end of the day, it's about grace. It's about Jesus. Correct? It's not about us. It's not about our achievements. It's not about what we can do. It's about what Jesus has done in our lives. Most of the time, our competitive nature 
gets the best of us. And we completely forget the bigger picture. Whether it is for the world, for the world, this, this is true. For the world, you fight for this. Correct? For the world, if you are of the world, you fight for position. You fight for that recognition. If you earned it, well and good. But then for somebody to walk with entitlement, or to, most uh, irritating is when you start arguing for it, when you're fighting, bickering over a position. If, I'm not gonna, if it's not going to be me, I'm leaving. You're missing the point. You're missing the bigger picture. Then you become a bad testimony for the, for the kingdom of God. And the church becomes a bad testimony for the kingdom of God because of one person wanting to be the greatest, wanting to be the one in position. What's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is that we live our lives glorifying God. Amen? You better say amen if you're a believer. Even if you haven't been living your life for the glory of God. Because that is the higher mark. Correct? We are told, especially at this church, we say to know Christ. To become like Him. And to make Him known. Amen? Amen. amen. So for the world, this is true. You fight for it. But for the Christians, this shouldn't be a big deal. This shouldn't be a big deal. This shouldn't be an issue. The kingdom of God is about Jesus. Amen? The one person and the only person to get glory in Him alone is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's look at what Paul said. In your relationships with one another, I have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You see that? Even Jesus, if Jesus, and he did, right? Jesus, the Son of God, took the nature of man. He was born in a manger. Born in a poor family. He was born, his stepfather was a carpenter. He was a nobody as the world sees it. But it didn't did matter to him. What mattered to him was what God wanted, God the Father wanted to do through him in his life. He said at a very young age, he told his parents, didn't you know that I'm about my father's business? At the very young age, he knew his purpose. Sadly, for most of us, we've been believers for such a long time, and we still forget. We still forget. We're still about our own family business. We're still about our own family business. We're not about God's business. We still don't have our focus correctly. It's still not zone, we're still not zeroed in on Jesus. It's still about everything else that the world has given us or is telling us to do. How discouraging should that be? For me, I'm thinking I'm on the way to do something big, and then these guys are arguing about something petty. That just for me personally, that's irritating. But sadly, that's how the church goes. 
Sadly, that's how the church goes. We, we forget. We forget the bigger picture. We make it about ourselves. We don't make it about God. We just pepper it with God so that, you know, God will bless it. We really want it about us, about our blessings, about our retirement, about our bank account, about another property, about our properties here and there, about our vacation, about everything else, and pepper it with God. You know, how do you do it? That salt thing. You put it there. Quite a little bit of salt with religion. Yeah. Make it about God, just so you can justify it. But you've lost focus. It's not, you're not living for God anymore. Your focus is wrong. You need to think like Christ. Christ in humility went down as a man to die on the cross for us, for our sins, your sins and mine. Didn't make anything other, any other thing a big deal. He even told his disciples, I don't even have a pillow to lie, lie, down, lie, lie on. Well, how, how about especially us Christians here in America? We have all the comforts in the world. Don't we? And we don't even pray for food. Because we have too much food. Too much bread. Bread's not a problem. Actually, bread is the problem. <laughs> too much bread. Right? Too much rice for Filipinos. Is <laughs> the abundance. Our abundance make us forget our need for Christ. And then our abundance drives us to what? Greed. We want more. $100,000 in the bank's not enough anymore. Let's keep going. Somebody said, oh, I don't have 100000 yet. <laughs> it's not the figure. It's not the figure. It's about love of money is a sin. It's not the money that's a sin. It's the love for money. Our broke people love money. But they're broke. But they love it. Right, but because the focus is different. The folk, they've lost the focus. They make it about themselves, about what they can get. Let's continue. Jesus was betrayed. Now we're going to get into the money part and the betrayal part. We all know Judas' story, correct? We know what he did. And before you shun him, because you think you're better, let's just read this account again. Because sadly, most of us, maybe most of us, have fallen into the same thing. I'll read from verse 4. And Judas went to the chief priest, right? He went to the chief priest and the officers and the temple guard and discussed with them how he may betray Jesus. He spent three years with Jesus. He saw Jesus heal the sick. He saw Jesus rise Lazarus from the dead. He saw Jesus walk on water. But what matters more? Money. Judas still is all about the money. Money, money. That's all that mattered to him. At the end of the day, that's what mattered to him. He could care less what he has seen. He just went over his head. Now you, if you're sitting there and you said you claim Jesus as your Lord, correct? You pray Jesus as your Lord. You call Jesus as your Lord. Are you living your life for the Lord? Or are you living for the money? Is your life being spent more for money? And then he said here, 
They were delighted and agreed. So who made the proposal? Judas made the proposal because they agreed. It says that they agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them with no crown but suppressing. How heartbreaking is this? Although Jesus knew. Jesus knew it. He said, go and do what you need to do. So I told you this. But how heartbreaking is that? You spend so much, you pour so much of your life to a person only for them to betray you for 30 pieces of silver. It doesn't matter what, what the amount is. It's just the fact that you have a price. That that relationship had a price. Now my question is, believer, is your relationship with him, what's the price? Is there a price for it? Is there a price for it? You know that indecent proposal thing? When they will say, I'll give you a million dollars. Just give me one night with your wife. Remember that? That was so provoking for me. I was a young guy. I was like, oh my gosh. And I was converting it to $25. Because dollars is 25 like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of pesos. <laughs> I wonder what I would do. I was thinking that. The world says we all have a price. The question is, what's the price to you? What's the price of crisis of your relationship with Jesus Christ? What is the price? Your answer should be the right answer. The Sunday school guys here, it's like, no price. No price. Like Peter, over my dead body, Lord. That's for you to answer. You have to look back in your life. You have to look back through your week. To whom did I spend my life for this whole week? What's the price of my relationship with the Lord? For most of us, it's just one overtime. I'll tell you, Joe, you need to work an overtime for Sunday. 35 bucks times 35. And you're like, oh man, that's a lot of money. I'm going to have to miss it. I'm going to have to miss church. It's a million dollar client. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's only here for this weekend. Brother Richard, I need you to preach this subject. <laughs> it's a $30,000 commission. I can't pass on it. I mean, we laugh at it, right? We laugh at it, but there is that price. I'm talking about money here because Judas was about money. He swapped his relationship with Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. Please turn your Bibles to John. Chapter 12, verse 1 to 10. <clears throat> Actually, we're not going to read it until 10. We're just going to read it until 6. John, chapter 12. I'm reading from verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. I'm pretty sure Lazarus was giving him grief 
Why did you have to bring me back to this world? I thought we were friends. <laughs> That's what I would have said. <laughs> then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Mr. Righteous here. You see it? He had the right answer here. He's so righteous. He wants that money. He questioned the intention because he wanted it, what he's saying, he wanted, it should have been just donated instead of given to Jesus. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. You see, Judas, from the very beginning, his focus was not on Jesus was not on God. Even though he made a very religious statement there, a very morally right statement, that that money should have, that oil should have been sold and given to the poor. He said the right thing. Right? But he's forgetting who the sacrifice was going to. It was going to the Lord Jesus. The Jesus that he has seen. He's at the house of Lazarus, the guy that was dead. That was risen from the dead by Jesus. The least you could do for Jesus is, right? That's what Mary thought. This is the least I could do for my Jesus. What he has done for Lazarus. But then here's this guy who questions it. How about you? How about you? you we have been, if you accept the Christ as your Lord, you've been resurrected from the dead. You're spiritually alive now. Now, are you making that sacrifice, that blessing, are you sacrificing it back to God, or are you now sacrificing it for others? Any other thing that comes before our relationship with God becomes an idol. So we have to ask ourselves, to whom am I spending my resurrected life for? Is it going to God or to the world? To whom are we giving it back to? Mary knew her eyes were, her heart was correct. That oil, yeah, Judas is probably correct. She could have sold it. But she wants to sacrifice it to Jesus who has done everything, the miraculous for her. Correct? So we should be in the same way. We should be in the same thought here. Next point. God or money? To whom are you giving your life to? Are you spending it for God or are you spending it for money? Are you working your tail off for your retirement? Are you building the kingdom of God? Are you seeking God's 
righteousness, his kingdom and his righteousness first, or are you seeking your kingdom first? And then you're trying to act righteous. You see here, it says here, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? This, this is Judas speaking, and they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Same price that was paid for for Joseph the dreamer when his brother sold him. It's the same price. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son who was betrayed, said, why was this fragrant or not sold for 300 denarii? and give it to the poor. His heart was not correct. He cared more about money. I want to show you something. This, this is a statistic. And I think it truly relates to what we're doing tonight, what we're talking about. Jesus talked much about money. Did you realize that? If you find it offensive, then stop reading the Bible. Because he talked a lot about the money. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why? Because God knew that the number one thing that we will prioritize over Him is our money and our possessions. Whether you have it or you don't have it. That's the biggest idol that we are now encountering. It's not statues anymore for most of us. It's about money and possessions. Just look at your week. If you're an American Christian, you probably work six days. And then you almost missed today. <laughs> right? Because that's how the world makes us function. They're going to tell you, oh, you know, they're going to hire you. And they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, we care about family here. Well, that's a lie. Right there. You're going to find out three months later. Right? And they'll put you in overtime. And sometimes it takes your Sundays off. Hide from your family. Sometimes it's about our family. Sometimes our idols are our family. Summer is out, what do we do? Camping, Tahoe, California. Forget about church, right? When we tell, you tell me, oh, Pastor, because, you know, we barely get the sun out. Okay. Then winter comes, you're like, oh, Pastor, I can't go to church because the snow. It's so hard to drive through snow. Too dangerous. Right? So there, we have all these excuses, we have all these reasons. That makes something else bigger and better than our relationship with our Lord. And then we look at ourselves and we say, why am I not feeling God? Why am I not growing in the faith? You ask that. Some of you have sincerely asked that question. I don't know why I'm not growing in the faith. And this is me holding my tongue. Because you haven't been faithful to the Lord. With your time, with your possessions, with your heart. I mean, if it truly matters to you, if it truly matters to you, that's what you're going to do. Correct? I think you have to say yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I think, because if it truly matters, that's what we do. Everything that matters, that's what we do. I get it, sometimes we waste a lot of time, especially Facebook. That doesn't really matter, right? But we waste so much time on Facebook. We, we make it that it matters to us. But the things that matter, we don't even think about. When we're hungry, what do we do? We eat. When we're tired, what do we do? We sleep, unless you're working. Or at your church, you sleep. <laughs> right? We, we sleep when we're tired. We eat when we're hungry. Correct? If it matters to you, you do it. So the question is, does God, does your relationship with God matter to you? Does it matter that much? How much does it matter to you? Where is your devotion? Is it on money and possessions, or is it truly on God? As we can see here, there's a big, big need for us to know that our money and our possessions are the ones that are going to take us away from God if we are not careful. Jesus talks so much about money, right? Yes, you can see here. And then Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And then there you go, you're, some, somebody's thinking, there you go, I'm not enslaved to money. I, I hope not. Because that's the key right there. If you are enslaved, if you're in love with money, if everything about your life is about making money and not serving God, if your money is not serving God, because truly what matters to you more is your money, not God. For some of us here, we still need to make that decision to follow God as our Lord. And that's just fine. And you're here, you're, you're, you're searching. Your heart is, is, is longing for that relationship with Him, but you haven't made that decision. That's just fine. But I want... But the sad thing here is for the believers, for us believers, for those of us who have made this decision to make Jesus as our Lord, but yet we are still enslaved to money, and we are still not serving our God. And then we'll see what happened to Judas. We all know this, right? This is why I, I my advice to you if you're like, trying to see, oh, I wonder what God has to say for me. And then you flip your Bible and you open it. And that's what you're going to do, right? You have your prayer, you prayed about it, you're like, all right, Lord, am I going to California or not? Right? <laughs> whatever you say here, Lord, whatever comes out, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. I say, don't do that because then you might see this. Judas hung himself. You're like, what? <laughs> No. <laughs> Hopefully you say, no, 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 this is wrong. <laughs> this is why you don't do that, right? <laughs> because there is this thing here. Judas hung himself because he thought money will satisfy him. Believers, if you have been, church, if you have been reaching and living your life for money and money alone, 
you're going to come to that point and you're going to say, is this all is this? Because you're going to find how empty it is. You're going to feel how empty it is. No matter how big the money that you've earned, you're going to say, this is not worth it. You know, Solomon said it. And you've seen billionaires committing suicide despite the abundance of money that they have. Because at the end of the day, that doesn't truly give you the real satisfaction. It is God and God alone that will give you real satisfaction. Amen? It's not even your spouse, because your spouse will disappoint you time and time again. Because you will disappoint your spouse time and time again. Say amen. Amen. <laughs> all right, so we're all in trouble. <laughs> it's just not me. <laughs> but it's, isn't that true? The real satisfaction is through God and God. Let's read this. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. Seeing Jesus was condemned to the cross. And he felt sorry about that. He didn't know it was going to be that big of a punishment. That's what I'm gathering here. I was thinking that Judas was thinking they were just going to arrest Jesus Christ and throw him to jail. And for Judas, it's like, man, you know, that's worth 30 silvers. But then when he heard that Jesus was going to be crucified, guilt stepped in. Guilt came in. Because for him to betray the Son of God, that's huge. It's just like when we sin. It's just like when you chose, when you have made that choice, knowing that God is telling you no, that's against my will, but yet you still took it, that remorse, hopefully, for some, for some of us, if you've been sinning for a long time, you don't feel anything anymore. The more, the more, the many times that you sin, many times you, you, you snowball. It's a snowball effect. You keep sinning and sinning, and before you know it, you're callous. You don't feel it anymore. You don't feel guilt anymore. But then when you sin, hopefully the moment that you sin, you feel it, and you're going to say, this is wrong. And that's what it felt, but to the ninth degree. He says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. That's what the world does to us believers. If we fall into the trap of sin with the world, and then we're trying to ask for the world's help, the world's just looking at us like, the heck's your problem? You made that decision. Now you solve it. They, the world doesn't care about us. The enemy wants us to fall. Make no mistake about it. Satan wants each and every one of us to be a bad testimony. He knows he can't take away our salvation. So what does he do? He ruins our testimony. He makes you, you know, he gives you that faith and you take it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is sweet. I'm like, oh, yeah, have some more. Just like that witch in Narnia. Keep eating it. Yeah, he kept eating it. Sweet, sweet. Little did he know he's dealing with the devil. When you deal with the devil, and then all of a sudden you're experiencing the guilt, he could care less for you. You made that mistake, see to it. You're brushing him off. And then his best solution, he threw down the pieces of silver. It's not even worth it. What he worked for, he betrayed the Son of God only for a 
for him not to even enjoy it. What he thought was the blessing became the curse. What he thought was the blessing became the curse. What he thought the 30 civils was going to give him enjoyment became his curse. Believers, if you will run after what the world tells you, it is going to be the same. It's going to be a brick wall. You know, they say it's the rat race, right? Because it's true. They keep making you go through that cycle over and over, thinking you're going to end this. You're going to have a good life. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep accumulating more riches. Work more overtime. Work for your retirement, and that's fine, you know? You're all fine if you don't make it more important than your relationship with the Lord. But the problem is, most of us, we don't really know how to balance that. Because the only person that will give us that true balance is Jesus. Amen? He's the one who's going to give you that wisdom. Because we can't make, I don't know how to balance it from time to time. Honestly, I don't know how to balance it from time to time because deals come here and there and in my time I only have eight hours in a day. Sometimes I push it for 12, 14. Anna's gone so I pushed it for last week. I pushed it all the way to 14 hours. I was working for 14 hours. My daughter was just watching TV the whole time because I was working. We can get consumed with work. Do we agree? I was doing it for church and I was doing it for real estate. I was doing both. Before the end of the day, I was like, this is not worth it. Because what matters to me is in front of me and I'm not doing it. I have this privilege to spend more time with my daughter and I'm not taking it. Jesus, God always gives us opportunity to spend time with him. But we're not taking it. You know why? Because you spend more time on your social media. You spend more time on your movies and your shows. How many episodes have you finished in the last year? Or shows that has 15 episodes and you finish five seasons of it in one week? But then how many times have you read the Bible without using it as your sleeping pill? pill? Some of us, we read it to fall asleep. But... Oh, almost there, almost there, almost there. <laughs> When was the last time you truly studied the Word of God? And we wonder, we wonder why we're not growing. We wonder, why is my life stagnant? Why is my spiritual life stagnant with the Lord? Because you're doing exact, whatever you're doing, that's why. Whatever you're not doing or whatever you're doing, that's the result of it. In business, we say the system that you put, that you place, works perfectly for you. So whether it's working properly or not, that's on you. It's your fault. Which reminds me, I went to the Philippine embassy two days ago, <coughs> and boy, was that a disaster! It reminded me how inefficient the system is in the Philippines. Probably gonna get in trouble. This is, we can edit that up next time. <laughs> <laughs> Just the moment you enter in the building, there's no system. It's a fail. 
And I'm thinking, because I can't compare. I, I get to compare it to American system, correct? And I'm looking at this, this is a fail. It took them five hours to give me a notary. Five hours. I drove there three and a half hours. And he told me to wait. So three, between three and four. They can't even tell me when. I have to wait there. Such a fail. But that's because somebody who placed that system there, it's working the way they want it. You have to go to the second floor and then go to the sixth floor and come back to the second floor to make copies one and two. And go back up there. Oh yeah. It's a disaster. But it's the system that, that whoever the leader is or the supervisor was that made that thing, it's working the way they designed it. It's the same with your spiritual life. If you are not doing anything, if you are not doing anything with your relationship with the Lord, then the results that you're getting is exactly what you deserve. Do we agree? You could be sitting here, you could be sitting here every Sunday, but not take in anything because your mind is on dinner. The popular Sunday today. The popular Sunday today. I wonder about you know, it, it's true, isn't it? You can be physically here, but your mental is not, your mind is not here. I know it because I was an expert to that in school. I was physically present, but I was mentally absent. <laughs> I was like most of the time. So will you see this? Will you look at this and you think about yourself if you have exchanged your relationship with the Lord for money? And you see where it took Judas ended up killing himself. Because at the end of the day, he realized it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. My prayer for us believers is that we will realize that whatever the world is telling us against God, against our relationship with God, we have to know, we have to realize that it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And now, after being betrayed by Judas, now we know the other thing that Jesus went through before going to the cross is him being denied by Peter. We also all know how this ended, correct? And then he says here, Jesus speaking, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times. Then you know. Sometimes we answer with bravado. It's all bravado, but nothing more than that. It's a good answer. It's probably, he probably really meant it. But Jesus already said that he was going to be, that he was going to deny him. Sometimes we forget what Jesus has told us, like this. Jesus told us that in this world you will have trouble, correct? And then we go through trouble, and then all of a sudden we forgot that Jesus told us that. And then we, all, little by little, are running away from our faith. We're running away from church. Because then we're saying, if God is good, why did he give me this trouble? 
How can a good God give this much misery to somebody that's serving him? We forget. Right? We forget that Jesus already said it. But then because we answer with bravado. Oh no, not me. I'm faithful over my dead body. You know what? It has to be like that. It has to be over your dead body because apart from Christ, you can do nothing. If you're trying it with your effort, you're going to fail. The reason why we're failing is because you're doing it on your own strength. We need to rely on Jesus because Christian life is impossible. Amen? It's impossible. If you don't know that, then you'll find out later. It's not the harder you try. It's, it's the more you surrender to God. It's the more that you surrender to Him. And then we see the result. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. We're going to see, uh, we're going to be reading from verse 54. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. I'm reading them from the New King James. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. This is speaking about Jesus. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard they sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Over my dead body that he chickened out with a girl. Right? Can you imagine that? This is the same guy that took the sword and cut the servant's ear off. Right? This is the same Peter that walked on water with Jesus. Same Peter. And then a little a woman. This is him. Woman, I do not know him. Sometimes we think we've experienced God over and over again. We think we're strong already. And then it just takes one tiny, simple thing. We get caught off guard and we fall. We deny God. Either we deny Him with our lives or we deny Him by words. Has that ever happened to you? If it hasn't, please raise your hand. Because I want to learn from you. There are many times, there are certain times that we get caught off guard, that we're quick to just cower instead of being bold. He denied it three times. That's one time there, and another one here, then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, that was the third one. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Is that what I have there? Now, weeping, imagine that heartbreak from God, from Jesus, that he was experiencing. 
He was going to go through the cross already. He knew it was coming. He was being, he got arrested. Somebody betrayed him. Somebody that he spent three years of his life to. And then here's another guy who's really close with him, to him. He already warned him. And he still denied him. What a heartbreak it will be for me if I hear one of my children deny me. Deny that I'm their father or they even know me. <laughs> It'll be heartbreaking. I'm laughing right now, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be heartbreaking. But I think two reasons why they would deny me is maybe they're embarrassed of me and they don't want people to know that they're related to me. <laughs> and they don't want, or they just don't want to do anything with me or about me. A couple things why Peter denied Jesus. One, he feared for his life. Right? He's probably thinking, they're going to capture me too and they're going to do the same thing. And the other, he's probably, the reason why he's thinking that is probably thinking, man, if this is the Son of God, I want to see him break loose from this, this soldiers. Where are the angels now? And you need to calm down, because if he is the Son of God, Peter was the guy that said, you are the Son of God. He said that. Didn't he? When Jesus asked him, who do you think I am, Peter? He said, you are the Son of God. So he's watching, he's observing this. But then as, as, as somebody was asking him at three times, but he's waiting, where is Jesus going to come through? So he was trying to protect himself. He was protecting himself. Sometimes we are too we protect ourselves way too much. We think about our reputation way too much. We think about our relationship with the other person way too much that because we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to be offensive. So we cower and not say the truth about what we know about Jesus. Or we, we, we don't want to be looked at as the boring person, the killjoy of the party. So you're gonna you're gonna power and give in to whatever it is. You know, the Holy Spirit is already telling you, don't. So we deny Jesus with our lives. We deny Jesus with our words. Even though we've seen him work in our lives for many times. In many ways. The sad thing here is Peter felt every inch of that mistake because he wept bitterly. Have you felt the sadness behind a lost opportunity? If not, you don't know what opportunity is. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. Weeping is defined to express grief, sorrow, or an any overpowering emotion by shedding tears. It pained Peter for doing that to Jesus, for denying Jesus. It pained him. He wept bitterly. Now the question to us is, have you missed opportunities to glorify God in your life this week? Have you passed on sharing his love to others because of the ridicule that you would rather not deal with? Worse, have you denied Jesus with your life? Not just with your words, but with your life. The scary thing is if you're not feeling anything anymore, 
Jesus said in Luke 12, 89, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. I know I keep saying this point. But it's important. So I'm going to say it again. Because they said good teachers repeat themselves. Let me say that again. <laughs> you might not be denying him with your words, but you are with your life. And it's just as bad. The question should be for you, if you're, if you're that, why? Why deny him with your actions? Why deny him with your life? Why give your life to be spent for the world? Why not for the Lord who has given you everything? Why is it that we enjoy the blessing more and forget about the blesser? Once you find out why and if it's higher than his love for you, then maybe you can keep doing what you're doing. But if you truly realize the love that he has given you because of the life that he has given you, because of the life that he sacrificed for you, shedding his blood and giving his body for you, to be with him for eternity, once you realize that that's more important, the question should be, why continue with your sinful life? This is a question by Jesus. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is when Jesus was reinstating, when he reinstated Peter. So Peter and some of the disciples, after Jesus was crucified, right, they went back to their old ways. They started fishing again, their old profession. But they could not catch anything. Jesus asked him, have you caught anything? And they said, no. Because you know why they were doing, they were not doing what they're supposed to. You know, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do for God, we will not be fruitful. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. Right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. They casted it. And they could not haul it. There's too many, too many fish. And that's the, that's the question that Jesus asked him. Do you love me more than these? That catch was a great catch. Multitudes of fish. Please turn your Bibles to John 21, 1 to 6. Jesus asked Peter if he loves you more than the catch of multitudes of fish. So let's see this one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, 
and his disciples together, Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you had any food? He said, they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, because they were on the wrong side of the boat. And you will find some. So they cast, and they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. Right? There is the catch. If you are not intimate with the Lord, whatever you're doing, no matter how hard you're doing it, it will not bear fruit. It will not catch anything. Because you're doing it on your own strength. And you're doing it apart from Christ. But be like Peter. Peter answered Jesus here, right? There was a long conversation, a brief conversation. Do you love me? The, how Peter turned around. One hung himself. Judas, right? He ended it for himself. But Peter turned around. Peter learned from his mistakes. Amen? Do you know that you, if you are willing enough and you are humble enough, you will learn... The things that we learn more about our faith is during the hardest times. During our hard times, not during our good times. When we truly know and become intimate with the Lord is during the tough times. It's not when the good times are hitting. And here Peter learned from his mistakes. Peter, writing in 1 Peter 5, 5-8, In the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. Humility. Peter is the one now saying about humility. Well, he told Jesus, over my dead body, Lord. And then when he tried to capture Jesus, he drew the sword and cut this guy's ear. It's all about him, his strength, his own strength, his own dedication, his own wisdom. But then he learned that he needs to be humble. Humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Paul, uh, Peter already knew that one of his biggest problems during his fall was his pride. He did not listen to what Jesus was telling him. He did not want to surrender to Jesus' commands. But now, at this time, you know what? During this time, they were going through a lot of persecution. This is at the, the time where the Nero was burning the Christians, like physically burning them in the stadiums. But then Peter still wrote this letter to encourage the other believers. And he's saying this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter is now realizing that he, everything that his mistakes was because he wasn't surrendered to God. He didn't give it to God. He took it upon himself. But now he's saying, we need to surrender it to God. And we need to be humble. <coughs> because God opposes the proud. Jesus asked Peter if he, if he loves him more than the catch of multitudes of fish. Peter, being a fisherman, prior to Jesus being crucified, went back to fishing. 
The cash that he held that day must have been a great amount of money. That's why the question is a lot more harder than what we realize, than what we're reading. Whenever we are faced with an idol, it is something something that we put before God or someone we put before God, it is something or someone of great importance to us. And Jesus will ask you, do you love me more than her or him or these? Peter, the proud and strong, the outspoken one, the guy that always had something to say. And he saw Moses and like, let's build a temple here. It's the guy with the ideas. He's now saying, he's now saying about humility. He remembered what heartaches he went through and what he had given the Lord during that day before Jesus faced the cross. But now he has matured. And now amid the suffering, writes the humble submission. He's saying that humble submission is the key to the Christian life. Humility means Christians should depend willingly on someone. Humility means Christians should depend willingly on someone else and see others as better than themselves under the mighty hand of God and leave the exalting up to God. He also tells us to be prayerful as we cast or lift up our worries up to the Lord. See there? Cast all your anxiety. So are you praying about your problems? You're saying, yeah, I pray. Like, Lord, help me pray. That's enough, right? Because you have such a big problem, so your Lord, help me pray is enough of a prayer. It's not the multitude of words to I'd agree with that. But it's about the spending time with the Lord. Spending time with Him, trying to listen to Him, trying to read about His Word, trying to understand what He wants from you. I hope that if you're going through something difficult right now, I hope that you don't miss what God's trying to tell you. And the only way you can't miss that is if you're asking Him for wisdom. If you're actually spending time with Him in prayer and asking God for wisdom, Lord, give me the discernment and the wisdom to understand what it is you're trying to tell me in this tough situation. If your prayer is not that sincere, if you even haven't had said that prayer, how are you going to figure it out? Because your only prayer is, Lord, take me out of this trouble. Take me out of this trouble. Because you know why? If you take you out of trouble, guess what? If you never learn from it, you're going to get back into it the next day. Because Problems that keeps recurring only means one thing. You haven't learned your lesson. We need to be prayerful. We need to be awake. <laughs> then, he also tells us to be prayerful as we cast our or lift up our worries to the Lord from the person who can barely stay awake during that time when Jesus asked him to. Remember? That's the same guy. This is the same guy. Jesus came back to him. He goes, can you guys not stay up? Pray, lest you fall into temptation. Now he's encouraging believers to be prayerful. 
make it if we don't rely on God. If you're not humble, you don't think you need help. That's why he speaks about humility. So during this time, as we take the Lord's Supper, other than Jesus suffering on the cross, giving his body and shedding his blood for us, remember the heartaches that he went through prior to going to the cross. The people that he spent so much time with, two people, one betrayed him, one denied him. But despite that, Jesus still followed God the Father, still fulfilled God's will, even, even to the point of death. I pray that if we are trying to be like Christ, we need to know that when we are going to follow Christ, if we are to follow God's will, it will be very difficult along the way. Heartaches and physical pain. It will cost us both. Amen? Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord, to remember like, um, the other things that you went through. The heartaches, Father, that was caused by those people that you spent much of your time with, Lord, during, during those days, Lord. Father, I pray that we learn from them. I pray that we learn from their mistakes. Lord, I pray that uh, you give us a humble heart. So that we'll be corrected. We'll be okay to be corrected. Father, don't make anything, don't let us make the other things more important than you, Father God. Remind us, Lord, give us the wisdom be able to know if we are spending so much of our lives on, on other things and missing the bigger picture with you. Help us to be more obedient to your word and to your commands, Lord God. Lord, set our eyes and our minds on you, Father. Help us, Lord God, to do that. Help us to be willing. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we failed. For the many times that we chose to go the other way. Forgive us for the many times that we've answered your question, if we love you more than these, and we said, no, we don't love you more than them. And you said, we love it, Lord, we love it. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we failed you. Help us now, Lord God, to be victorious. Remind us, Lord, of who you are. Remind us of your power. Remind us of your love, Lord God. Lord, let your love, Lord God, shine in our hearts and echo in our minds, Lord God, that we will just respond in gratitude. Guide us, Father, and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. 
Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>